Hello and welcome to Punch a Hole in the Wind, a look at some of the great thoroughbred racehorses who have graced our racetracks all around the world over the last century or so. I'm Ollie Hine, and it's great of you to join me on this exciting trip down memory lane. My aim is to both remind you of some of your heroes from years gone by, but also to introduce you to some others whom you may not be so familiar with. We make another trip down under today and look at a versatile, record-breaking gelding of the late 1970s and early 1980s who became one of the inaugural members of the Australian Racing Hall of Fame. Kingston Town can't win. Any keen follower of Australian racing will be aware of this immortal line uttered in the heat of the moment by commentator Bill Collins, nicknamed the Accurate One, during the 1982 Cox Plate. In the immediate short term, it was a glorious gaffe, as Kingston Town somehow did win that race. And Collins' passionate call in the home straight more than made up for his earlier assertion. In the long term, it is even more inaccurate, for Kingston Town most certainly could win, with great frequency and awesome power. He was unquestionably one of the greatest Australian horses of the last half century. Yet, as with so many heroes of the turf, his ability was not immediately apparent. Owned and bred by merchant banker David Haynes, Kingston Town came into being because of Haynes's experiment to match an Australian sire, most of whom were renowned for their speed, with a European mare, many of whom had a pedigree that screamed stamina. In this case, they were no ordinary mares, but ones brought over from the legendary Dormello stud in Italy, set up and run with such glory by the genius behind Rebo and Niarco the late Federico Tizio. Thus the mare, Ada Hunter, a granddaughter of Rebo, had a liaison with future Australian champion sire Bletchingly, and 11 months later, along came Kingston Town. Initially, this nearly black yearling didn't do much to impress Haynes visually. So he was sent to the sales in Flemington. Haynes had a modest reserve price of 8,000 Aussie dollars on him, but everyone else thought as little of him as his breeder. And with no suitable bidders, he came home, and Haynes decided to keep him. As serendipity goes, it doesn't come much purer. Haynes also knew where to put him in training, the stables of Tommy Smith on the outskirts of Sydney. Smith, who had had the honour of training the great Tullock 20 years earlier, and who had been leading trainer in Sydney every single year since 1953, was initially frustrated. He said, when the youngster first came into the stable, he was a holy terror. He would walk into his box and then try to climb up the wall, roaring all the time. He had speed, but he just refused to go one yard. Separately, one day, the young horse was being treated for a cut when he chose to bolt from his handler and ran straight into a wire fence, leaving him with a prominent and permanent scar on his face. He was quite the handful. In March 1979, Smith finally tried out his two-year-old in a low-key handicap at Sydney's Canterbury Park. Some legends are born straight away. Not in this case. Kingston Town was last out of the gate, last round the turn, and last at the finish post. His jockey that day was Mal Johnston, son of a truck driver, a recent champion apprentice, and a hit with the crowds, who had also done a short spell with Ian Balding in England. He was so small that he could only groom a horse by standing on a bucket. Johnston, however, sensed, well, knew, that the horse was better than this. But coupled with his behaviours at home, 
Johnston and Smith convinced Haynes that gelding the colt was the only option to improve him. Haynes accepted the inevitable, and the unkindest cut of all, as with Kelso, proved to be a most inspired one too. Returning to the track three months later, focused and stronger, Kingston Town ran his next races at distances between six and ten furlongs, and proceeded to crush all his rivals, having developed, or perhaps finally choosing to reveal, an absolutely devastating turn of foot. This streak culminated in the Group 1 Spring Champion Stakes. It was abruptly halted, however, as soon as he went to Victoria for his next three races, where, despite coming placed, it was clear to all what was happening. Whilst the handsome black gelding loved turning right on the New South Wales tracks, he was uncomfortable turning left on the Victoria tracks. Although imperious in Sydney, he wasn't down south, with racecaller Collins describing his early performances in Victoria as though he was lurching round Melbourne courses like a good-natured drunk. Smith was happy to tell anyone who would listen that he was lengths better running one way than the other. To prove his point, Smith next ran Kingston Town for 11 straight races only on the clockwise tracks of New South Wales and Queensland, and the powerful gelding won every single one. There was an eerie feeling of déjà vu for anyone watching these. Johnston on Kingston Town would wait until the final bend every time before flicking his reins, whereby Kingston Town would take off with a sudden burst of speed, displaying an incredibly rapid stride cadence, perhaps matched only later by Winks. Nor were these races all the same distance. To demonstrate his supreme versatility and ultimately confirm the shrewdness of Haynes's breeding logic, Kingston Town was winning over all distances between 6 and 16 furlongs, very often in Group 1 company and including the AJC and Queensland derbies. He was now known simply as The King, with Johnston reflecting simply, he is so relaxed, that is the secret of his greatness. Smith, meanwhile, was beginning to talk about him in the same breath as Tullock. Yet with so many big wait-for-age races in Victoria, the urge to send him back there was overwhelming. Now aged four, Kingston Town therefore ran in the Caulfield Stakes and Caulfield Cup, where again he ran well, coming second and third respectively, but clearly not to his best. Far from disheartened, Smith and Haynes decided to give the big one, the Cox Plate at Mooney Valley, a go. This time, he absolutely trounced his rivals by five lengths, with connections now believing not that it was going left-handed that was putting him off, so much as specifically Caulfield Racetrack that was spooking him. This blistering victory started another long winning streak of eight races over his four-year-old and five-year-old seasons, including the following year's Cox Plate. Smith throughout knew that his charge's front legs were more suspect than they seemed, so now only campaigned him in the late Southern Hemisphere winter and spring, allowing him a longer break between seasons. Once again, it took a Victoria track to break the spell, namely Flemington for the Group 1 LKS McKinnon Stakes, where Kingston Town still finished second. It was more of an experiment than anything else that, a mere four days later, he turned out for the Melbourne Cup, having missed the previous years due to sore legs. It was, however, one race too many that season with a visibly exhausted Kingston Town plodding around at the back of the field throughout. Returning the following season as a six-year-old, Kingston Town started with what was now his traditional and third consecutive Warwick Stakes victory. 
This marked a remarkable and unprecedented 21st consecutive victory on a Sydney track. That bubble then burst in the Chelmsford stakes a fortnight later, when Johnston, in what was not his finest hour, got boxed in on the rail for far too long, giving no time or space for Kingston Town to unleash his not-so-secret weapon. Further, Johnston collected a riding ban that day, his 26th in all, meaning Peter Cook would be in the seat for the spring festival races in Melbourne. But as one door closed, another door opened, with a final go at winning at Caulfield Racetrack memorably succeeding with victory in the Caulfield Stakes. A third trip to the Cox Plate ensued, but no horse had ever won it three times. Things weren't helped by Smith's instructions to Cook to keep the horse handy being completely compromised by Kingston Town taking an age to leave the stalls and get up to racing speed. Cook had to smack him a couple of times to give him even half a chance of keeping in touch with the other 13 horses. He kept changing his legs, and then he got boxed in. It was as inauspicious a first three quarters of a race as one could conceive. And yet. Champions, more often than not, don't give up. Even if commentators sometimes do. Collins omitted those immortal lines so confidently with barely two furlongs to go, which seemed to be the trigger for Kingston Town to do what he did best. Unleash. First, the camera zooms in to the two fighting out the finish. Yet soon enough, it pans out again, as Kingston Town, out of the clouds, storms wide to take his opponents out, ultimately taking an arguably cosy three-quarter length win. It was joyous. It was epic. It was horse racing. His record of three consecutive cox plates stood until the days of the mighty wings. Connections simply couldn't resist trying a final time for the Melbourne Cup just one week later. And oh how close they came. With Johnston back in the saddle and Kingston Town beautifully placed throughout, they went for glory and were clear until the final ten yards when Gurners Lane, a true two-mile stayer carrying far less weight, nicked him at the line. It was a glorious failure, not that this wonderful animal had anything left to prove. He finished off with a rare expedition out west to Perth and the Group 1 Western Mail Classic. He won well, and the race would soon be named after him. With his legs playing havoc again, happy retirement beckoned, although not quite. First an attempt was made to send him to the US, to see if the vets trying new techniques could rescue his legs from crumbling. Nine months of trying proved fruitless and he was finally returned to see out his days in the paddock. He was only 15 when his playful antics with his paddock mate resulted in an injury that couldn't be fixed, and he was put down. Despite never running outside Australia, Kingston Town achieved ratings in the international system that put him at the pinnacle of races from his country over the last few decades. And when you watch those electrifying bursts of speed that he displayed time and again to dispel his rivals with such disdain, it's really not hard to see why. To find out more about Kingston Town and other greats from the past, check out my book, Punch a Hole in the Wind. Out now and available online and in bookshops. Next time, we'll go to a different part of the world and share the exploits of another great horse from another era who could punch a hole in the wind. But until then, this is Ollie Hine signing off and saying thank you for listening.